Before we get started, if you like the content you're listening to, feel free to send me a donation to support your favorite podcast. There is a link in the description below. And if you're interested in a life reading or intuitive coaching session, all my contact information is also in each episode description. Now let's join the podcast already in progress. You're listening to the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott, providing you inspiration, information, knowledge, and motivation to help you on your soul's path. Covering topics related to health and happiness from the mystical to the metaphysical and everything in between. Making the unknown known. Now let's join the podcast to discover today's topic. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Um, I got a a special guest um, and he's been on the show from season one. So he's... Nice. So I'm glad to have him back on season two, my good friend, Tony. And, but before we go uh, down the rabbit hole, Tony, I just have to do a public service announcement uh, quickly. Just want to say thank you to all my listeners that are listening around the world down in the States, my brothers and sisters and everybody down there. uh, Lots of love. And of course my peeps in Canada, uh, Australia, New Zealand, um, uh, France, Netherlands, the UK, um, Germany. I got a few friends and Brazil. Uh, just a few people have been listening in Brazil. So I want to thank you very much for that. So for all you listeners, thank you. And um, if you want to donate and support this channel, because this is fully funded by you, the listeners, uh, there's no corporate sponsors uh, behind this show. So the show is uh, solely supported by you guys. So if you want to uh, donate, there are links in the description on either on the audio podcast or the video too as well. So I do appreciate that. So again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that being said, Tony, how are you, my friend? It's been, it's been almost a full year since we talked. Has it been? I'm doing great. I love seeing all your posts and all your interviews. And I am, when we finish this call, I am going to support you. Oh, thank thank you, my friend. I really appreciate that. That's very, very kind of you. Yeah. A lot has changed in the last year or so, especially for you. I mean, it's always incredible to see your post or every time I see there's a new uh, Reiki person uh, uh, getting their level one, level two, or even their master levels. So, which is fantastic. I'm always, I'm always uh, uh, so excited to see that. And it just warms my heart. But uh, another thing too, is that you, I don't think at the time we did the first uh, interview that you became uh, the Taoist priest. Was that correct? That is correct. Yeah. I was ordained last summer. Yeah. So congratulations on that. So I was really excited to talk to you about that. And uh, when I heard you became a priest, I, I feel like I want to say, you know, uh, Father Tony, like, you know, like a Catholic, good Catholic, like a good Catholic student I was, you know, it's like, hey, Father Tony, how are you? And that would have thrown everybody out. Like. They would have like, brother. Yeah, it would have uh, been a full, uh, full year. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited that you became a priest. That was really kind of cool because you've been doing this for a while now um, and studying uh, Taoism for a while. So how long was it, did it take you to, from, your, from your studies to now becoming uh, a priest in Taoism? So, you know, my studies in Taoism started uh, when I was learning Chinese medicine, uh, traditional Chinese medicine, and when I was studying with my medical Qigong master because Taoism, you know, is immersed through all of those things. Like, like Qigong, the, the early Taoist masters would just observe the animals, how they moved. And that was sort of somehow some of the early forms got started. So that was my introduction to Taoism. And I remember uh, my medical Qigong master, Robert, who has since passed, one day after class, because we would spend the weekends out in his place in Pickering, 
And we were in the back room and he was getting some stuff for another student. And he looks at me, he goes, you know, Tony, I think that you could be one of the first uh, Taoist priests in Canada. And like at the time that didn't mean anything to me. I'm like, um, okay, thanks, man. <laughs> and uh, that just kind of, that was in my brain somewhere. And then, um, yeah, somehow it just came to me that that's what I needed to do. And so I, I reached out. So how the, how the training goes, at least with my Shifu is, it's broken into three sets of three years. And in the first three years, you study closely with your Shifu. And um, he starts off very friendly, <laughs> at least mine did. And then he gets less friendly. And then in the second three years, you are supposed to go out on your own. And then for the third three years, you can go back and train with him at a, at a different level. And he always says to us, boy, anybody who comes back to train with me for the last three years, you guys must be crazy. But so that's, I'm in the, I'm in the second three years. Okay. And I remember, because I talked with him all the time for the first three years, my text, my phone, like everything. And when it came time for me to leave, you know, to go out on my own, I was like, I said, like, like Shifu, like, what should I do? And he said to me, just live. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, okay, that is like a stupid answer. Yeah, thanks, Shifu, right? Okay, I'll just live. But I'll tell you, it's been the most incredible experience. So I've been all, out on my own almost for a year. And the things I've learned and the leaps I've made, because it is up to me, uh, have, so I see, why they, I see why they do it this way. Yeah, it almost seems like, you know, there it's that beginning, they, they built that bond and rapport because part of it is about balance and training the mind and to be balanced and relaxed and kind of be present. So it's almost like the first part, they just kind of get to know you. And then the second part, they're sort of kind of like triggering you a bit and kind of just seeing how, see if you were paying attention to everything, right? That's what yeah. it seems like to me. It's like, we'll just kind of turn it up a bit. So I'm not going to be so friendly <laughs> with you and just see how you react because I guess in some ways your part of the training is to make sure that you don't overreact to whatever's going on. Yeah. No, I mean, at the end he was, he was pushing my buttons pretty hard. Like he made me cry a few times. Right. I'm like, Ooh, but after I kind of sat with for sat with it for a second, I could see, I could see why he did what he did it. It made total sense, but I was, I was blind to it before then. And that's what the Shifu or a good coach will do is he'll reflect back at you the things that he can see so clearly that we don't. Yeah. It's, it's, you know how it's amazing how like a, either a good teacher or just in general, the universe will throw a mirror in front of you and just kind of show you what's going on and kind of looks like it. Yeah. You need to kind of work on this. And it's just like, Oh my God, really? Again. So if you had to explain what Taoism is for people who are listening to it, because I always find it so fascinating uh, now, was this particular um, Taoism, is that, was that developed in the, is a Chinese-based system, right? Correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So if you just give us a little bit of background, what it kind of means. So somebody who's not familiar with it, uh, maybe just give a little bit of uh, maybe some of the philosophies of Taoism. So that's a great question. And it's so funny because the very first line of like the most famous book in Taoism, the Tao Te Ching says, the, the Tao that can be spoken is not the Tao. So what it's saying is you can't explain Taoism. 
Okay. If you can, then it's not Taoism. It's like it takes a long time to wrap your mind around it. But what it's really saying is that it can only be lived. It can only be experienced. Okay. Uh, so that's the, that's the first thing. Um, but there definitely are some some concepts that, you know, when I when I went into it, one of my goals was to calm my mind. I used to be very anxious, you know, after the loss of our kid and stuff. I just there was still this anxiety inside of me. And that's what I really wanted. So for me, the the core of Taoism is a way to control the mind to let go, to let okay. go of all these things that we carry that hold us down, that hold us back. When people come into the energy clinic, I just see them now. I see them differently. I see that they're just, they're so tight. They're just holding on to everything. And if you can just, if you can just let go. One example is uh, there's a concept called Wu Wei, which means effortless action or non-action. Like how does the grass grow, right? The grass grows effortlessly. It just grows. And so what I take from that is that we all have a flow. We have a flow in our life. And that if we'll allow ourselves to just jump into that stream and flow, then life is effortless, right? And I'm sure you've been in moments like that, maybe a creative moment or something where everything just time stands still, nothing else matters. I mean, that's the Tao. That's the flow. If you see an athlete who, you know, who takes a shot and starts walking back before it even hits the rim because they know that it's going in, that's the Tao. I mean, they talk about like effortless action. They say governments should lead by not leading, right? They shouldn't inject themselves into it. So I, I, I wonder often, you know, what they would think of, you know, all the mandates and, and stuff the, yeah. these days. I'm sure they wouldn't be greatly for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so interesting. Now I've you know I've heard of that expression of being in the flow and stuff like that. You know, one of the things I was always curious about is how you translate that into your clients. They take that philosophy and that understanding because as an energy healer, as somebody who's an acupuncturist and stuff like that, and um, when you see people coming in, they're usually coming in for chronic stress. And they're, I mean, there's a lot of different things they come in for, but you know, it's probably a lot of it's just stress-related stuff that uh, the body just is saying, "Hey, I need to get this fixed at," and or get this looked at, I should say. And uh, how has that really changed? I know you talked about now you just kind of see them, and you see what's actually happening. You can kind of pull yourself back from from seeing their their anxiety and stuff like that and just how teach them how to do that so how does that work for you well i guess one of the things that's really changed for me in the clinic is uh i mean i i still you know love and give with all my heart but i'm not afraid to call people on their their self-deception i'm not i'm not afraid to talk to people straight and tell them tell them that because you know, I'll ask a question, what are you afraid of? Because I'll see, because fear, fear is the background of almost everything, right? Yeah. But fear keeps disguising itself. It will disguise itself as anger. If someone comes in and they're really angry, the core is probably that they're very afraid. And so I'll say, what are you afraid of? Oh, I'm not afraid of anything. And so now I don't have a problem with calling them on that, right? So that's really one of the things is I'm able to drill down much deeper. And this is as a result of my Shifu 
drilling into me. And I'll give you an example. Please. When, when we're ordained, uh, we get some scriptures that, that we're to read each day. And you know, I'm going to say that some people think of Taoism as a religion. Some people think of it as a philosophy. I just think of it as, as is. It's just a, a frame of mind. So the scriptures aren't particularly religious. They're just wisdom. But they're written in a way that doesn't necessarily make sense because they're translated from old Chinese and the terms and stuff they use. So one day I'm talking to my Shifu. I say, Shifu, is it okay with you if each week we review a little bit of the scriptures and I tell you what I think it's saying. I'm going to try to decipher it. And he says, no. I go, oh, okay. And he says, I would do that for any other student, but not for you. I go, oh, really? He goes, yes. Because when you get anxious, you start to go down. You go down in this downward cycle and you, you cycle out of control. He said, my challenge for you is I want you to just read them. And I don't want you to analyze them. I want you to just read them. They are transformative of themselves. And so at first I was like, oh, what the heck? I've been working on myself for all these years and you're telling me I'm still spiraling down. Oh my God. But then it just, it made sense. And it's times like that where you have a transformation, where you have a revelation. And when I work with my clients, that's when they get the most out of it. Right? When you're not afraid to reflect that mirror back at them and point deep inside and try to find them, find that, that root. Instead of just plucking off the flower, the dandelion top, you have to find out what the root is. Yeah, I think that's so important. It's always the root cause. You know, there's always an underlying thing to the anxiety, like you said, the fear. And there's always something there. Um, you know, it's a low self-worth. There's a lot of different things. Like it's all shame, all these different emotions and things that you know, either you've learned over, you know, through a disruptive childhood or a few different things and just life in general, just throwing you curveballs after curveball. And you just associate life in general as just uh, being crazy. And it's amazing how, if you can just kind of pull yourself back, but also just allow and listen to what's being said, because sometimes we're always in that denial state. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm not afraid of anything. What are you talking about? Well, I'm not afraid of anything, you know? Meanwhile, in the back of our head, it's kind of like we're saying, yeah, it's a little bit of bullshit. We kind of know it's a little bullshit, but until we get called out on our bullshit and uh, it's, it's amazing because, you know, it's always like the ego gets in the way. It's like, what is this guy mm. talking about? Yes, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to discuss too as well, which um, is not only the concepts or the philosophies of Taoism, but I know you started this new program, which seems to be really taking off. Um, and it's about becoming this, uh, peaceful mind warrior. Um, I always thought it was fascinating because I know it really has to do with a lot of the mental aspect of it too, but in a way it reminded me when I saw your, your caricature and uh, it reminded me of the, like the warrior code of the Bushido. Mm -hmm. And it was very much that kind of stimulating thought process in my mind. It's like, and from my understanding, and again, I'm not a, historian or anything like this. I'm not a, a, an advocate of all these different things of uh, understanding all these uh, different philosophies. I mean, I'm just, I learned a little bit. I'm most of it. I'm a student just listening to my guests here, but it just sounded like there's that code where it's like that warrior's code that, you know, it's about discipline, honor, respect, those kind of fun under underlying fundamental things about, and then adding the Taoism. Cause I think a lot of the Bushido code probably came from Taoism in some ways and just kind of married the two together. 
What is your idea about that? Yeah, everything. I mean, everything is connected. And one of, like, I'm I'm a 22nd generation uh, Dragon Gate priest. So in Taoism itself, there's many different schools. But one of the founders of our school said that if you look at like Buddhism, Taoism, Confucianism, like what's the difference? The end result is all to try to be sort of the, the clearest being that you can be. So I, I did study the Bushido code, you know, earlier when I was writing one of my books. And I do believe in in honor and integrity and being, you know, cultivating yourself. And that's what the, the Japanese called like cultivating yourself, clearing your energy. And they said that um, like a, a Taoist would have to be both a poet and a warrior. Right, you cannot be one without the other. So that's sort of where where it comes from. And I, I believe that you have, we all have this inner warrior. And when you can calm your mind, like we live from the discursive mind right here, the, the monkey mind. And it's always yattering at us. It's always telling us you're not good enough. You should you can't do this. You should be jealous. You should be envious. They're out to get you. And it gives what is called an, an agitated, agitated mind. And in Taoism, there's, a, there's an expression, lose your mind and come to your senses. So instead of living from this mind, we're meant to live from the heart mind. And the way to clear the heart mind is by letting go. And so that's what the program is all about. Because if you can let go of this, this is telling you that you're not good enough, then the warrior that's always been there, that's always part of you, but we're just holding down, can come up and be strong. So the whole course is a process of letting go, of looking at, looking differently at things because there's so many ways that, that we we look at things differently. For example, good or bad, right? Is something good or bad? And today, with social media, you know, 24/7, the rush to judge oh, is yeah, like geez. immediate cancel culture. You know, people don't know anything about the facts. But they're like judging, cancel this person, this. And the answer to a Taoist is never is something good or bad. The answer is always maybe. It depends what context you're looking at it from. You find a lot of the stuff is pulled out of context because they're just so quickly to judge. They're just they just needed that. Oh, I gotta judge, I gotta judge, I gotta cancel, I got this, this is wrong, this is bad. Um, instead of looking you know, pulling kind of like the observer pulling back a bit and kind of looking at the perspective of what it is. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to agree with everything, but, you know, you can kind of like agree with, agree to disagree in some ways. Yeah. That's a really interesting philosophy on that. Yeah, no, you're, you're hundred percent right. It's, it's stepping back, letting go of the emotions for a second and just like asking yourself what's really happening here. Because whatever you think about the media, I've seen enough to know that all of it is co-scripted amongst, you know, it's run by a few people. And if you watch the, the head newsline for something, you're going to see it on, you know, 50 other stations exactly word for word. So just ask yourself, what's really going on here? And then ask yourself, what, what options do I have? You don't have to rush to anything. What options do I have? And analyze them. And then just make the best decision you can at that moment. And then once you've done that, it's done. It's the past. And you, you can't keep looking back because people are too hard on themselves. And they'll make the best decision they can at that time, but then they'll hold that against themselves yeah. for the rest of their life. Yeah. 
that's uh, that kind of sounds like me. I, I, <laughs> I you know, honestly, I, I, I lived in the past for so many years and I've beat myself up for all the shitty decisions I've made. And I just knew it was, you know, I look back now, which is on some bad, bad programming I had and the choices at that. And I still have difficulties once in a while. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot better than I was before, but it's still, <laughs> I still have that process once in a while. It's like, God damn, really? Why the frick did you do that again? Then it's like, okay, then I, but then now I have enough sense that I kind of pull myself back before I go down the rabbit hole. Instead of like, I'll maybe do that for a couple hours instead of doing it for days and then weeks and then months, I'll mm-hmm. catch myself a little bit earlier and kind of, all right, breathe. And just kind of just take the perspective back. Okay. It's done. You can't do anything about it. Move on. You learned. Okay. That was a mistake. You move on and do the next thing. So that's perfect. Yeah. That's so one of the things, you know, I was, you talk about this concept and I've heard a lot of times people talk about letting go mm-hmm. and why do you find it? Why do you find so many people? I know myself, I had a hard time letting go, but a lot of people in general, why do they have a hard time letting go of stuff? It's, I mean, it's, it's programmed into us. And one of the things is we look at expectations, right? People People have these crazy, unrealistic expectations of themselves that they would never in the world hold anybody else to. But for them, somehow it makes sense that they they hold these crazy high expectations. And so the, the thing is, they're never, ever going to live up to it. They're never. So they, they set up the game so they will continually always lose. They will never be good enough. And these are the things that you have to let go. As an example, I work with a lot of people who had some tough uh, childhoods. Let's say they were abused or whatever. And so at that time, they're this scared little child. And the, the adult, the power figure is doing whatever. And they have to make up a reason why. They have to tell a story to themselves. Why is this happening? And often the only story they can tell themselves is there must be something wrong with me or I must be bad. And so they bring this story with them as they become an adult. So in the background, their main story of their life is I'm bad, I'm broken, there's something wrong with me. So when I say let go, it's let go, looking at it and seeing that it's a lie, it's false. Okay, they were just a kid stuck in a no-win situation without any tools or knowledge or ability to figure out what to do with it, they did the best they could. But now it's time to look at it from a different angle and see that it's not true. Your whole expectation, your whole life has been built on this lie that you made up when you were six years old, you know, hiding in the closet. And when you can let go of that, but letting go means changing. And changing brings fear of the unknown. And that's why people have a tough time letting go. Yeah. I, I think that's, you know, I mean, it makes so much sense. You know, I've seen so many parallels in my own life and my own healing uh, journey. And it's so true. Like you think about it, it's like those profound things that we hold on to that, like, you know, you were six year old, seven, you know, three, two, whatever you, you may be in. And it's that, you know, that core issue of shame that, you know, there's something wrong with us that we, that programming. And if you can pull yourself back out of it uh, and let go of that. Now, when you work with your clients, when you do this type of work, because it's really a deep emotional stuff that you're working with, 
Are you integrating the acupuncture? Because I know we've discussed this before and I've had other talks with that because there is, because we store energy in the body, like we store those emotions in the body. Are you using your acupuncture techniques along with your clients to help um, release some of that maybe stored energy or even that memory out of that, out of the body? That is a great question. I, I mean, I always love your, your questions, man. You see, you understand stuff, right? You really get stuff. So when I'm in the clinic, right, and I do two things. One is I work in the clinic. The other is I do virtual coaching online. So when I'm in the clinic and I'll first meeting with someone, I'll talk a bit and I'm going to try to sort of, I'll, I'll explore to see what boundaries they have, like how far I can go just at the start. Because you know, a lot of people, they come and they don't know me at all, right? So yeah. I just sort of see where they are. And then as you're right, as the session goes in, whether I'm using acupuncture, whether I'm just using energy and just, you know, stimulating their acupressure points with the chi, that will help them release stuff. And at points where I feel resistance, I may gently lead them. I may tell them this wasn't your fault or something like that just to help them get over it. And a big part is just telling them that they're safe you know, they're in a safe place and that I'll protect them. And when you can do that, maybe hold their hand, then they can let go of the defenses because the body sometimes is so, so tight because it's had to be protecting itself. Yeah. When I'm talking with people in the online coaching, you can't do that, but you can still send energy, right? Of course. But a lot of it, it's, I have a bunch of videos that sort of helps them program their mind or deprogram their mind that they can watch in between our calls. And so it's, I find sometimes I can actually go deeper with the online because we, we can have longer just to talk and explore things. It's really interesting. Yeah. Cause usually sometimes you're, you're, you're kind of in a time constraint in some ways, cause you want to see a certain amount of clients per, per day in a clinic. You want to try to help as many people as possible. So, I mean, it would make sense that you'd be able to have a little more longer conversation and talk about that. I think that's really important from a healing perspective, but also on a clinical setting, or even just as finding a coach is the one thing is to, is to feel that feeling of safety and just being, you know, and that's one of the things I always tell my clients when I'm working with them is, is you know, because, you know, when you're working with deep emotional issues and stuff like that, you want to provide them the opportunity to uh, express that emotion, you know, and sometimes it could be, I'm sure you've seen that in the clinic where you just, you put a needle in or you're just doing a little chi over, you know, over the heart chakra or the heart energy or like, uh, or the liver or something area. And just the, the tears just start flowing. Right. It's that compulsive, you know, ugly cry sometimes, but you know, it's necessary to get that emotion out because that's just stuck energy yeah. that's in there. And I think that's really, really important. So, so in the part of your program, you talk about a little bit about, you know, you see people who are feeling stuck in their life. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people are out there listening. And I, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, because when I was doing the research on your, on your program, you know, all the little things that you talk about, you know, feeling stuck, you know, feeling overwhelmed, anxiety and stuff like that over the last two years, I think we all felt that. And I've been trying to get some extra shows in on the podcast to kind of talk about and understand that because so many people are, are going through this stuff and they're looking for answers and help and trying to figure this shit out because in the last two years, it's just been a shit storm for, uh, for a lot of people. And uh, I wanted to make sure that we had that information on the podcast. So when you talk about 
somebody says they're not, they're feeling stuck in their life. You know, again, a lot of changes have happened for people over the last two years. So how is it your philosophy and your program will help people get unstuck? Well, it, part of it comes to realizing, you know, what are, what are they thinking about themselves? What are they thinking in general? Because a lot of times people have just become stuck in a cycle of fear. Uh, we're inundated, you know, 24 seven with, you know, COVID numbers. And even though like Fauci said, like the pandemic is over or whatever, we're, it's still happening. You look on news, you look on social media. At the start, it was like, it was like ramped up so high. I, my dad would call me in an absolute panic, total panic. You know, I heard this, I heard this. I'd have to like uh, turn off the news, dad, right? So that's like the number one thing is like, turn off the news, man. Like, if something really is important is happening, I'm sure someone is going to tell you. So you got to watch what you're what you're putting in your mind. And some people just get stuck. They just they just get stuck in the cycle. You know, let's watch the war. Let's you know, you don't have to watch that stuff. You know, it's happening whether you watch it or not. I'm sure you can check in later. So letting go of that. What are you what are you putting into your mind? And a lot of people stop living. You know, they say they feel stuck. Well, they stop living during COVID because, you know, this mandate, you can't do this, but there, there are still lots of things you can do. Just have to look into your heart and, and, and think what brings me joy. You know, what are the things that bring me joy? You can, you can meet with people in groups, people who felt very isolated. You know, um, some of my clients have met, just gone online and figured out these groups and met people. And at least it's some way to connect. And as things are opening up now, they're actually able to go out and meet people, but the whole part of of getting unstuck is, is it's letting go. It's letting go of the blame, of blaming yourself, of feeling like a victim, of, of being angry with yourself. I just saw someone the other day in clinic who uh, was, you know, was an athlete, well, very athletic, and now she's got some problems with her physical body, and she's really angry at her body. She's angry at herself, you know. And and when that when you get angry at yourself, everything tenses up. So the pain is only going to get worse. Yeah, it's just going to add to it because I mean that anger, if it's not released in a, in a good way, it's just like internal poison. It's just going to just eat away at you for so many different things. Yeah, I mean, I I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So letting go is breathing. Letting go is meditating. Letting go is looking at things differently. Letting go is not judging. Letting go is realizing that nothing is good or bad. It it all depends on the angle. Like. I'll just, I'm going to bring a, a real life example. So I watch basketball and Dallas Mavericks have this superstar, Luca. I never yeah. remember how to say his last name. So Luca, okay. if you're basketball, you'll know what I'm talking about. So in the, the second last game of the season, he's a little bit of a ha- hothead. He starts yelling at the ref. The ref tees him up. Okay. And it turns out that that was, you're allowed, I think, 16 technicals in a season. So he, he had to miss the next game. He was suspended. So everybody's going, oh, that's terrible because the last game is really important. That's terrible. So they complain to the league. The league reverses their decision. Okay, he can play. So everybody goes, oh, that's great. That's good. So he plays in the next game and wrecks his ankle, and he's out. They don't know how long. Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. So then they're wishing that the league had never rescinded it, right? So is something good or bad? Is something good or bad? Is something good or bad? You know, time will tell. Maybe that time off nursing his ankle rejuvenated him. It will help him. Like, so don't judge. And that's a big thing. Don't judge yourself. 
don't judge others. Just, just let go, relax, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think that's so important. I mean, it's, it's such an easy thing to think about or, and you think of in, in the general scope of things in your life, just kind of let things go and try not to stress about it. I really, I really enjoy the, the idea of not if, what you're feeding your mind and what you're watching. Cause I, I'll get caught up in that one time too, as well. You're watching, you know, certain news channels or, and certain things. And you're just like, kind of, you know, the kind of, the whole idea is to stir the button and to get it. And then it's like, you walk away and it's like, why am I so angry? And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I know what's going on. So I really, really, especially at night. Now, this is one to think, and they always talk about, you know, television being programming. Well, it, technically it really is programming. So especially at night, because when you're relaxing, you're a little more into that, you know, like to talk about the theta state, your brain waves mm -hmm. start changing and stuff like that. So I'm very, very careful of what I watch, especially in the evening. And I always watch something in the evening that I enjoy that's funny or something that interests me. Like I end up watching more YouTube videos than I actually do content on television anymore. Cause then I can be specific on what I want to watch. Cause I, you know, I want to be, I want to watch something about, uh, you know, health or a documentary about ancient Egypt or something like that. Something that's, you know, I enjoy something that I like to do uh, instead of listening to, you know, people talk about this group or that group and this political system and that candidate and what's going on. It's just, cause it just, you get that whole cycle in the brain just keeps going and doesn't shut off because you got to deal with general stuff during the day you know, whether it's your coworkers, traffic and certain things that, you know, it's going to stimulate the the brain, the monkey mind, like you say, to get mm -hmm. agitated too as well. So, and uh, yeah, I just find it just, it's really important to at least not uh, watch what you pay attention to what you're watching, I should say. Yeah. And I'll share with you a goodie that my Shifu used to say to me, right? And I, by the way, I cleared if it was okay if I did a swear word here. So yeah, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. And I actually say this to all my clients now, right? And when you ask me, like, how have things changed in my clinic and stuff, working with clients since I've been studying my DAOs, and like my Shifu, he doesn't take new students anymore, but he does swear a lot, right? It's really, it's really funny. So, you know, I come on and he's looking through me and he says, even though I don't think I have it, he sees that I still have a lot of anxiety, right? So he started saying to me, he says, Tony, this is my cup of fucks. And it's empty. And he would say that over and over to me, right? And I'm going, I'm thinking, it just sounds weird hearing you swear, Shifu. And, and finally it dawned on to me that he was like slapping. He was just saying, let go, man. You're holding on to all this stuff that you have no control. It doesn't really matter. Let the fuck go. And so I literally walk around, you know, during the day and I say, I just don't fucking care. And of course, I love deeply and stuff, but I mean, I don't care about I don't care about the things I can't control. I don't care about the little things. Like, I just yeah. don't fucking care. And it's so freeing, brother. Yeah. It is so freeing when you can reach that point. And if anything, that's what Taoism has brought me. It's freed my mind. Yeah. And I just, I'm so, like, it always, I always laugh when people say, oh, you're, you're so, uh, so laid back. You're so chill, right? I'm like, oh, that's cool. Thank you. I remember when I used to be like a really angry dude, man. So 
Yeah. I know. I know it's funny because I so relate to that. And people go, you're angry. You're an angry dude. Oh yeah. I was, I was, uh, I was in my victim rage <laughs> for years. Listen. Yeah. I was a, I was a, I was a mess. I fully understand. I can, I fully understand. But it's like, you know, people go, you seem so calm and so nice. And you know, it's like, yeah, when I used to be a rageaholic, you know, just, inter- but I internalize a lot of it and that's what kept me sick all the time too. I have all these problems. So, but yeah. yeah. Like you wouldn't expect it. Like, you know, you were saying dropping F-bombs, you know, like, cause now, cause when you see your presence, like your energy is like your energy, even through your pictures on your Instagram, it's very calming. It's very relaxed. It's very present. Right. And, and then if you like, I can just imagine you doing Reiki and somebody's like, just let the fuck go. And they'll be, I just get them looking at you and your students are going, did he just, did he just say, did he just say the F word? I usually ask for permission. I say, is it okay if I swear? And most people go, yeah, yeah, I'm a trucker, man. Go ahead. Like, yeah, that's I, awesome. You know, I, I think that's, you know, it's sometimes it's missing. I think we got it. We got so wound up about how we speak and stuff like that. And sometimes, you know, I know it's a, and again, this is my personal opinion. I know people think it's a, it's a nasty word and stuff like that, but it's, there is something about the energy around that word and how you apply it can really change things and how you look at things. And sometimes you just need to use that word because that's the only word mm-hmm. that describes the best way to do it. And I know one of my favorite guys, uh, motivational people is David Goggins. And he says that a lot. Mm-hmm. And when I'm feeling like crap, when I'm having like a rough day, for some reason, his video, his posts will show up and he'll just be screaming at you uh, through this, <laughs> through the, through your, uh, through your computer or your phone yeah. or whatever you're watching it. And he's just basically laying it, laying it on you and he's dropping F-bombs like crazy. Yeah. And uh, it's like, oh, thanks. I needed that. I need that little kick in the ass. And I think that sometimes we do need that. Um, it's a little bit of just kind of what? Well, it cut, it, yeah, it cuts through it. It gets our attention, right? And that's why my chief would use it for me. And that's why I use it for people too. Yeah. Right? Because sometimes we're stuck. We're just stuck. We're stuck. We're stuck and civilization is so politically correct now, you're not allowed to say anything. And sometimes you just need to say, you know, I know you're feeling down. The world's been pretty fucked for the last two years, man. Yeah. I hear you. But you know what? It's not all dark. But that one word sort of penetrates through, opens them up so that they can receive. And that's what we need. We need someone to shine the mirror back at us so we can see all the lies that we're telling ourselves. Yeah. It's amazing how our, the lies that we tell ourselves on a daily basis. And if you had to listen to yourself, and I think that's really important. I think the idea of, if you can just listen to what you're saying to yourself, and it's like, what would you say that to, like I always say, like you only talk about inner child work, would you say that to a six-year-old, the same mm-hmm. lies? And it's just like, if you can pull yourself back and it's like, you know, all this different stuff and it, like, it is a lie but it's so programmed into our, our subconscious that it's so difficult for us to really see it sometimes. So I really commend you on, you know, kind of going that little extra mile for your clients and uh, allowing them to kind of do that. So um, with your well, Qigong. I just, I just want to just talk real quick about anxiety and that because. Oh yeah, please do. A yes. Lo- a lot of people wear masks, right? They feel that they have to wear a mask. They have to appear a certain way in public, but it's not the real them. And so you feel inauthentic. You feel this tension. If you're trying to get the public to believe that you're someone, but inside you know you're not that someone, there's no way you can't have that inner tension. And that inner tension, your body experiences as anxiety. Because it's no something is not 
Quite right. And so also when I say let go, it's it's stop caring about what other people think. Who gives a fuck, right? Yeah. Just wow. be you. You can't be anybody else. You got to let go of the fear. If they can't take you for who you are, then they're not worthy of your attention. Yeah. Wow, that's so profound. And how many people out there listening to that are wearing their mask every day? They get up, just like, you know, like a woman would put on her makeup. And, you know, you got to put that mask on, right? And you got to go to work and you got to do the certain things. And and it's that fear of being, say, you know, I'll be honest with you. I've had that fear for the longest time to be uh, kind of uh, out there. And it's funny because I was in the public eye for years. I was on television and I had to throw that mask on that everything was okay and everything in my life was okay and I'm managing and and it was just a lot of horse shit. And I didn't embrace my, I never talked about my spirituality and, you know, the industry was never the most supportive and healthy industry anyways, but it wasn't until like last, well, COVID really actually helped me get out of the, the kind of the psychic closet and really kind of go forward on this and kind of embrace and saying, this is who I was. This is always who I always was. And it was freeing. It was liberating. And I, you know, I commend people on, you know, removing that mask and going deep into, uh, to see who they truly are because Behind that mask is just somebody so freaking brilliant, so amazing, so beautiful. And they can sometimes you don't see that beauty because they're wearing that mask and, and it's like that mask that they never really wanted to wear. And uh, yeah, geez. Like, I mean, how much of the, the you find that when you work with clients, how quickly can they get that mask off? It really depends. Like, so the course that I run right now is a nine week program and I've had, the transformations that have occurred in those nine weeks is unbelievable. Like, and, but a lot of it is reflecting back at people, the little changes that are occurring, because often it's hard for people to see that they're changing. You know, I might be talking to someone in week three and they go, you know, I really thought I would have been further along in this. And I'll say, yeah, well, do you remember you used to say this and you said this and you felt this way? How are you feeling now? And they'll go, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And each time I bring up a little point and it builds this momentum and their confidence in themselves that they are changing because we're, first of all, we're so hard on ourselves. We don't ever analyze ourselves realistically. We have these crazy expectations. So if you can just help people see step by step, the little tiny things that they're doing. So, well, I remember one time someone, uh, they, they used to get into a panic attack whenever someone mentioned this one trigger. And the next time it happened, they just, Tony said, step back, just take a deep breath. They did it. And they didn't go into a full-scale panic attack. And they were, they were, they said, well, why did I still think of getting anxious? Like people like, people like think, oh, are you supposed to be like Zen? Like they think you're supposed to be like Zen, like 24 seven, right? Um, so they asked me, am I allowed to feel angry? Of course you're allowed to feel angry. You can't not feel stuff, but it's what exactly what you said, my wise brother. You can feel it, but then you gotta let it go. So if you can, you can feel anger, you can feel jealousy, you can feel all those things, but then you gotta release it. Yeah, it's not healthy to not feel it. Yeah, and that's another. It's it's just almost like the opposite is just numbing yourself out in that denial stage because you know, if you just numb yourself out, you're never really. You're never really experiencing life. You're just constantly numbing yourself down. I think, 
you know, that's where a lot of drug use gets in instead of trying to feel it because we're always, I mean, we're always trying to numb our feelings. doesn't matter what we're, whether it's drugs, food, television, sex, gambling, whatever it is, we're always trying to do some shopping, whatever, whatever your vice is, right? So we're always trying to numb that feeling and you don't want to feel it, but it's okay to feel it. It's part of the human experience. Um, but again, it's the length of time and, you know, how long you sit in that feeling um, that can really cause the, the issues, right? And so you just you just need to change focus, right? I mean, one of the ways to get rid of get out of the the monkey mind uh, I teach is breathing. And if, for example, if you're counting while you're breathing, then you're not thinking of anything else. When a thought comes, you go, "Hey, thought, don't get mad at yourself." Oh, I had a thought, right? Like, "Hey, thought," and then count. Just go back to counting. Like, just let go, because it really doesn't matter. Nothing really matters that much, man. There's very little in life that matters that much. Yeah. You know, I think that's, that's really important. I think that's really wise, really a lot of wisdom right there is just to, you know, there's a lot of stuff. We just make things, we make a big deal out of so many different things, even the littlest things. And if we can just let go and really surrender to that and embrace that warrior that inner warrior and you know and i i guess when i use the word warrior i should really clarify because people think oh warrior i'm going to war well i think the warrior is is that it's not to go out and cause harm but it's really the battle within i think that's the warrior that you have to go battle with that sort of that idea that okay i gotta be disciplined i gotta be I, i gotta have more respect for myself like you say cultivate that wisdom cultivate yourself become the best version of yourself Mm -hmm. And as you become the best version of yourself, you now you become the best version of yourself in a, in a society. Now you can go out and teach others and be pre- in, in a present way and help others just by you being just in your beautiful self. I think that's really the empowering thing about it. If you change yourself, if you, if you change your energy, if you raise your energy, then that's how you heal the world. People feel... Yeah forlorn like oh there's so much pain in the world I, and I, there's nothing i can do about it i remember walking through the field two summers ago the first summer of covid the clinic was closed i was like people need me the most and i can't even open how can i change the world and i thought if i just raise my own energy right now because the energy flows through us it flows through me through you through the grass through the birds if you raise your energy then the next person next to you will get a little bit of elevated clear energy that's beautiful the way you said that. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. There was uh, I don't know if you've read any uh, Dr. David R. Hawkins work, uh, power versus force, but you go ahead and tell me. All right. Well, anyways, there's this uh, gentleman um, here has these really amazing books. Uh, uh, power versus force is one of them. He's got transcending levels of consciousness and he calibrated the levels of emotions on a scale. And he did a study where, where you calibrated the level of scale. So let's say, you know, I have this line, this is the baseline. Anything below that is all like the, you know, hate, anger, jealousy, fear, all that sort of stuff. And he calibrated that. And he says, most of society is kind of living in that lower level. Mm-hmm. But when you move above that, it starts with being happy, joy, blissful, stuff like that. And he measured it. And then it goes right into elevated consciousness, like the Christ consciousness, the Buddha consciousness, stuff like that. And he calibrated. And he says by, um, and I'll, I'll probably really screw this up because I don't have it written down. So for those who are listening, you can you know, always just check on it. But it's the intention, man, I feel your intention. Yeah, the intention was that um, when he says that if you elevate your level to a, a, 
a level of happiness or joy, you're negating the, the negative feelings or emotions of a thousand people. Yeah. So just by you vibrating in that level, you can, again, a thousand. Now, again, this is not probably accurate, but that's mm -hmm. kind of the gist of it. And then as you elevate more, so let's say you're elevating it from happiness to joy. Now from a thousand, it goes to like 10,000. And then from joy to, you know, like bliss state and then bliss state goes on and it says, well, that's why like, like, you know, talk about the, the last, there were eight masters, the Buddha and, you know, Christ and uh, everybody else that were sending masters. They're basically affecting uh, millions and millions of people just by them being in a state of their own happiness, their own joy. That's kind of the gist of it. So yeah. I know I kind of bastardized that. I no, apologize. That's, that's, that's beautiful. I feel it. They're, they're in the flow, man. They're in the flow. And I was just reading something that talked about the difference between pain and suffering. And pain is something that we all you know, have to go through, but suffering is not. And suffering is simply, in my opinion, suffering is a resistance to your flow. It's self-imposed. You don't have to suffer, right? You can feel pain, but that doesn't mean you have to suffer. Pain yeah. is temporary. Pain will go. But we, we choose to bring on suffering by resisting who we are, what we're meant to do in life. People ask, well, if I'm in the flow, if I'm not, if I'm doing effortless action, how could I build a new company, right? I'd have to really work hard. And the way I see it is, if you're in your flow, then when you work hard, it's not like working hard. You're just doing something you love and pouring your heart into it. But if you want to do one thing, but society is telling you to do another thing, and that's where you're putting all your effort in, that's where you'll feel the resistance, and that's where you'll feel the suffering. Yeah. So just follow you. Just be you. Dow your Dow. Dow your own Dow. Flow your own flow. And life becomes pretty damn cool. Yeah, it just, you know, I like that idea of just, you know, being in the flow stuff. You know, I think a lot of people, they think about it. It's like, oh, I got to work hard to do this. But if it's something, if you're in a state of joy and happiness while you're doing it, it's a totally different experience. It's not like, hey, I got to work some crappy job you know, in order, you know, to do this, but it's something that you wake up and you feel energized, you feel passionate about. And it's, I mean, sure, you got to put in some long hours, of course, any new business, anything that you're doing, a new venture is going to take some long hours, but those hours are filled with joy and you're just super excited and you're trying to figure this all out and, and you get excited about it and you're happy. And just in just you being in that state, that's what helps change other people too, because then they get excited around you because that's what you're creating that company because now you're getting other people excited because now you're excited about your particular product or services that you're doing and you're just like oh my god this is going to be awesome and if you and if you i always say if you work by divine law where you're actually helping other people by creating something beautiful from yourself and you're helping other people at the same time what a beautiful thing like everybody wins win win so i think that's the uh I think that's really a great way of describing the flow. It's just you're in that state of flow where it's just sure there's going to be bumps and bruises that you, you know, are growing pains on your business, but it's just something you enjoy doing. And I, I have a friend of mine, I have to uh, say this. She's always in the flow of things. I always mm -hmm. cease to, I always ceases to amaze me when I see her and she talks about stuff. She's always starting new ventures or she's starting something. Out, and she, I always was like, how the shit are you getting this stuff done? <laughs> It's just, I, she was talking, oh, this happened, this happened, this happened. I'm just like, man, do you know you're in the flow? She goes, yeah, I know. Like, she doesn't even think about it. She just knows. Mm -hmm. There's just a knowingness to it. And I always just say, I, I commend you on that because 
I, I, cause when I know when I'm out of the flow, then it's like, I got to pull myself back and kind of like, okay, let's readjust. And I think that's important to understand when you're not in that flow to kind of pull yourself back. Right. Do that's you, when you, you feel heavy. That's yeah. when you feel a heaviness. That's when you feel a stuckness when you're not in the flow. And so that's the first thing that people have to do is they have to reconnect with themselves. They have to learn to listen to themselves, to learn to listen to their feelings, to their intuitions, and don't just put it off as the weather or the rain or whatever, okay, or the world or, or the war. Just listen to your body, to your mind. Something's off. That means you're resisting your flow. And so when you go into the quiet, and this is the other really big thing I've learned is when I go into the quiet, either through meditation or a walk in the woods or just listening to music, you know, from the 80s, man, that I'm, I just, I lose consciousness. And that's when all the inspirations and ideas come to me. And the other, the other week I, 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 I sat up all night, like from midnight till 7 a.m., just listening to my playlist, just, and all these downloads came into me. It was amazing. Yeah, that's a, such a creative time. A lot of people talk about that when you're in the later stages of the of the evening, stuff like that. It's where the mind starts to open up and when you're in that state of flow. And yeah, that sounds that sounds amazing. Like it's like you're in the flow and that's just the music because music can be so profound and it can change you, but also nature too as well. I always, yeah. always a big fan of uh, nature therapy and getting out there and just being in nature and just kind of observing. Because I think a lot of times too, that basically just you're not thinking of anybody else. You're just thinking about, Oh, that's a beautiful stream. Oh, that's a beautiful yeah. tree. Oh, look at that bird. Yeah. You're not thinking about your taxes. You're not thinking about, you know, work or your coworker or your relationship or your, your parents or, you know, all those different things that, you know, we continually, the monkey mind just lets us kind of goes on. And the thing on. is nature doesn't think, right. A bird just flies a leaf just falls if the wind blows it just blows and that's the beauty of nature nature yeah. doesn't overthink stuff it just is it just does and that's how our life can be yeah that's so true like it's just it's amazing how that can just be something so simple that we can do on a daily basis to do that so how much of uh, meditation do you tell your clients to do like uh, that's okay i I'll answer it as my Shifu would say. So, Because <laughs> I used to ask him, he'd teach us a couple of ways of doing meditation. I go, which way should I do it, Shifu? He goes, well, which way will you do it? In other words, you know, do what you like or you won't do it. And so how often should you do it? I don't know. Do it what feels good to you. I know some people who meditate an awful lot and they're still not happy, right? Yeah. Like it, it's all about balance. You know, people say, I'm going to become more spiritual. So I'm going to do this extra meditation. I'm going to do this extra yoga. But, but spiritual, like it all actually comes from letting go. So I, I would teach people a few different types of things and they could bring in other things. And I just want them to see what do they connect with and whatever you connect with and how often you feel you connect with it is what you should do because it's your path. It's your doubt. It's your way. It's your flow. Yeah. I think that's hard for people because, you know, we always want it fast. We want it now. Mm -hmm. You know, I bet you got people in your clinic. Okay, Tony, just come in, fix me. I got this problem. Fix me. 
Yeah. I know you're laughing, but it's probably true, right? You're going, hey, Tony, right. I got this pain. Fix me. I need to get stuff going. I need to get stuff so done. So my answer is always, okay, first of all, as I said in my initial email, let's let go of all expectations, right? And it took your body a while to get into this state. And so naturally, it's going to take a while to get out. So I try to deprogram them first, Yeah. right? But patients... That's why it's important when I'm working with someone that I feed them little feedback so that they can see that they actually are making progress. But sometimes people expect this big boom, but yeah. it, it never works that way. No, I, I think, yeah, I think that's a lot of the problem. Everybody just wants this now and they figure it's just an easy fix. Mm-hmm. And especially on anything that's a chronic issue that we've been dealing with for a long time, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, it's, I mean, it's part of the process. Like they always say, excuse me, um, they talk about the work, right? It's always about, you got to do the work and it's just yeah. like anything else. You got to do the work, but you know, the liberation, the joy, the freedom, the, just the, that freedom of, of the past, the freedom of the pain, freedom from the pain, I should say, and freedom from, um, all those other anxieties, fears, and things like that. Like I always say, what is that worth to you? And mm-hmm. I think that's, you have to really look at that as that's the currency, of your life. Like, you know, it's a beautiful question. Yeah. What's, what's that worth to you? What's the, what's that currency worth to you as like joy, just feeling joy, mm-hmm. like the state of joy and happiness, like waking up going, you know what? I like life. And it's so hard because the only thing we're thinking up, we're getting up, got to go to work, got to do this. You're not really thinking about the state of joy being happy. And that in itself, I think that's, that is a new way of, I think that's the, the best currency that we can offer a society instead of just, you know, being like the idea of cash and this monetization of stuff. It's just the expression of joy and happiness. I think that would be a great way of. Yeah. Just... And to me, that translates as peace of mind. That's, that's what I, that's how I think of it. It's like just peace, peace of mind, contentment, joy, happiness. It's all, it's all connected. Yeah, it, it certainly is. Yeah. It's, it's always so profound. Well, Tony, my brother, I think we're almost out of time. So, you know, this felt very much like the flow. I haven't stopped smiling this whole time. I love you, man. I, I you know, I have so much uh, admiration and respect for you too, my brother, you know, and that's why I always, I always enjoyed our first conversation and I know who, uh, who have listened to our first conversation, just, uh, I've always just, they've enjoyed our conversation as well. So I thank you on that. I really appreciate that. Totally my pleasure, brother. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, if they're looking to find you, Tony, so um, one of the great things about doing the podcast is that you be able to reach a, a wide audience there. So if people were trying to find you on the World Wide Web, uh, find your services, find your programs, where can they find you, Tony? So there's two ways. I have two main websites. So my clinic website is feelfullyaliveagain.com, feelfullyaliveagain.com. And my online virtual coaching is Peace of Mind Warrior. Peaceofmindwarrior.com. And um, I mean, I, I will get back to people. I love, I love speaking with people. And I always tell people, you know, if you think you might want to work with me, let's see if we connect. Yeah. Right. I never want people to commit to anything. Com- like feeling that you connect with someone is so, so important. So I put yeah. some videos up on my sites. I just want you to get to see like, you connect with me. If not, there's no sense in it. 
Yeah, it, it totally makes sense. You know, there's uh, like people are, like that's one of the things, you know, about the industry. People always worry that, you know, oh, I'm never gonna have enough clients. And you know, there's so many different people. Some people will connect with you. Some people won't. Yeah. Right. It's all what's drawn to you. But just understanding that the amount of Reiki practitioners that you train <laughs> says a lot about that, because every time I turn around, you're it's somebody new. And like I always say, it's a I think the the population of Hamilton and the surrounding area <laughs> uh, is going to be all Reiki people. And Reiki masters, which is a beautiful thing. Like that's a beautiful thing. Okay, the world more needs people... more Reiki, man. I I don't do Reiki master classes often. I'm doing one uh, either end of, end end of June or beginning of July, and it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be like a, the first big class I've done like in two years. Um, I am super super pumped for it. Yeah, I mean it's it's such a you know I'm always a big advocate of Reiki. I I always say it's the gateway. It's the gateway to start you down the path, down the rabbit hole. It always is. That's what happened for me. It really opened up. It really opened me up spiritually, you know, everything else. And it opened down uh, that Pandora's box, as I like to call it. And all these amazing, crazy things have happened because of Reiki. Now, Reiki is not for everybody, but it's always been just an amazing journey for myself. And I always, you know, tell people that. So if you're looking for an amazing person to get training with and you're in the, uh, Hamilton re- region. Now, do you do any of that online at all? Any Reiki training online? Yeah. I I could. I haven't yet. I'm not a big fan. I mean, I think it's so experimental that you have to be in the experience of that. People have asked me, do you do that training? I said, no, you have to really, yeah, it's really get your hands on it. Like I've, I've done so many one-on-one trainings since COVID started and I didn't know if I would like it because before then I'd only done group. But actually, I really love it, um, and they're almost they're they're almost like transformation sessions. Like, because you know, I, I do a session on people. We go really deep into stuff. It's it's been really amazing. Um, but yeah, so people come in and they they think they're coming in for one reason, and they leave finding out they came in for another reason. And the, one of the things that's really really struck me is is how important the attunement is. You know, and when I'm doing a solo attunement, it's maybe 90 seconds to two minutes. Like it's, it's not long, it's so powerful. And this is what's really helped me to see the incredible importance of the attunement. And that's the only thing, I know you can send energy distance and I do, but just placing the hands on someone in the attunement and, and transferring that directly and just like feeling the shit that goes on. It's just, oh yeah, it's absolutely it's- amazing. Oh, I'd be, I, I bet it'd be just a crazy ride, you know, definitely that. And especially if anybody who's coming into your, uh, com- coming into your training for, um, and has some type of, uh, energy knowledge and has them experience it, they must blow their top off because they just probably just be vibrating when they leave. I, you know, well, did you have some like testimonies of people go, Tony, I haven't stopped vibrating since my, uh, since my attunement. I want to just say, let me stop right now and say, if you're watching this and if you want to come in for training. Just ignore that. Let go of all expectations. Because the last thing I need is people coming and going. The only way this would be a great training is if I'm like <laughs> vibrating, right? I'm like flying like a butterfly. Because it's whatever you think that you want is what you won't get. It's whatever you need is what's going to happen. And sometimes that's messy and painful and lots of tears. Yeah, well said. As a as a <laughs> Taoist priest, there. 
let it be flow, you know, which is amazing. So Tony, I'm just going to, uh, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for season two. Thank you. I really appreciate you being back on and sharing your wisdom. Thank you. That's right. Um, and, uh, we'll have to uh, talk about some eighties music next time that you're on the show. So, uh, I know you have such an eclectic taste in music. It's just, I like, wow, he listens to that. That's pretty cool. I love that. That's after hours clinic, man. After hours gets cranked up, man. Yeah. I hear you on that. I I go a little old school, heavy metal, uh, throwing, yeah, get that, get the blood flowing. So that being said, everybody, I'm just going to close off the podcast here. This has been the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott. Thank you so much for joining me and goodbye for now.